The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 12th Doctor story, Last Christmas. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt or phone case or a lot of other things, stickers and stuff. By visiting sqpn.com slash merch, and plus lots of other great uh, SQPN-related merch there as well. Uh, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Star Wars. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. So we are talking about this 12th Doctor Christmas special called Last Christmas. And Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens? This week, the Doctor Who Christmas special crashes into the movies Alien and Inception. When Nick Frost shows up as Santa Claus, the 12th Doctor and Clara go to an Arctic scientific research base. The base is under assault by facehugger-like alien dream crabs. They latch onto your face, put you into a dream state, and then slowly digest your brain. So that's what starts happening to Clara. The doctor wears another dream crab to follow her and get her out of the dream, but when they wake up, they realize that they are all the victims of dream crabs. We then peel back the inception-like layers of dreams, and we learn that the scientific station isn't even real. Everyone is scattered in different places, and they have been telepathically networked together by the dream crabs. The dream figure of Santa Claus ultimately helps return everyone to their homes, at which point the dream crabs fall off their faces and disintegrate. The doctor goes to Clara's house and gets the dream crab off of her, after which they both resume their travels in the TARDIS. But after they've left, we see a tangerine and hear the sound of sleigh bells, implying that Santa Claus was somehow real after all. The end. <laughs> I have to believe. So, um, so the Santa Claus... Played by Nick Frost. Lots of fun. I think mm -hmm. uh, that was mm -hmm. an interesting choice. And the elves, including one of the elves being uh, Dan Starkey, who yep. we know from other Christmas specials, among other things, as the Suntaran Strax. Yep. Uh, so uh, it was nice to see his actual face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Out of makeup, because usually he's played other than Strax, and usually he's under layers of makeup, so you don't really get to see what he looks like. He's yeah. a much thinner guy than you would guess from looking at Strax. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there's some actors who just specialize in playing characters in like full body costume stuff. And, and he's one of them. Yeah. And, well, in part, that's because not every actor can stand being oh, yeah. totally yeah. covered in latex. And so if you have that as a skill, you can get multiple parts that way. Yep. And if you could stand the hours and hours that you usually spend in a makeup chair. Oh, mm -hmm. boy. Yeah. So uh, I found it interesting. We, we, He's called Santa Claus throughout this. There is one reference to him as Father Christmas. Mm -hmm. I thought, Two. Okay, okay, thanks. Uh, there's there at least few. one, but yeah. there's a few, yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because I thought that 
in Britain, it was much more common to call him Father Christmas, but maybe historic historically it was, but Americanization of the media has happened. Oh, okay, yeah. And the popular view of of Santa, uh, Santa Claus we have today really actually comes from the Coca Cola company than it does from traditional practices well, and from. Yeah. A visit from St. Nicholas, the poem, which was yep. an American poem from the mm-hmm. 19th century. But right. yeah, the, the the red red and white and all that is Coca-Cola. Not to mention the uh, Rudolph with his nose so bright uh, that we see yep. on this one. Well, that is even more recent. So Rudolph yep. the Red-Nosed Reindeer was created in 1939 uh, by a gentleman named Robert May in a booklet or little children's book published by Montgomery Wards. Oh, the 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 the, the department store. The, yes, that. and then it became oh. a popular song by Bing Crosby, and has been around ever since. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's funny that they included all these different elements, you know, in in this story, which I think lends to the dreamlike effect. The fact mm-hmm. that this stuff is included because Clara, or in especially in the beginning, would have had these. You know, she's of an age and of a culture where these ideas would have been present in her mind about Santa. And so that's where the dream crabs are drawing it from, I guess. So I, I, I can see that. It, I think it adds to it. Um, you know, when she encounters Santa and the elves on her roof, um, the, you know, there's this whole like. This moment where Clara is sort of like staring at them, she's kind of deadpan in a way. And mm-hmm. and I I was thinking, you know, if anyone would be equipped to deal with Santa and elves suddenly showing up on your roof, <laughs> it would be a doctor's companion. You know, what yeah. I mean? like they've seen enough weird stuff. But but she's sort of still disbelieving a little bit. And then uh, but and then have that really fun exchange of, well, where do you think your presents came from under the tree? Your parents just arbitrarily decide to give you presents on a particular day. Yeah, um, yeah. it's nice how they mock the actual explanation (laughs) yes and uh and and then he tells him you know it's time to start living in the real world there are a lot of hints like that throughout this episode of what's really going on it's time Mm -hmm. to start living in the real world like where they're trying to hint that there's something not quite right going on in this story or not quite expected except they they they're kind of inconsistent in the script because what the theory they eventually give us is that the figure of Santa Claus and the elves is called mm-hmm. up by the part of their minds that is resisting the dream crabs. You know, it's it they there's a part of them that knows this is wrong, they're in danger, they need to wake up. And so um their minds have summoned the figure of Santa Claus to help them. Because mm-hmm. it's because it's Christmas and they're perceiving themselves as at a, a, a science station near the North Pole, and so they draw on the image of Santa Claus. But the 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 language that Santa Claus and the elves use is not consistently helpful because mm-hmm. it's not consistently trying to get them to wake up. Instead, mm-hmm. uh, and or challenge the illusion, the illusory nature of the scenario they find themselves in. Um, at one point, you know, Santa is going on about how ridiculous and unbelievable he is as a figure. So obviously he's meant to stand out as a dream element. And okay, that subverts the dream. 
But then he immediately starts talking about the madness of a guy who lives in a telephone box and travels <laughs> through time, yeah. which, um, which the doctor immediately points out is not helpful. And in the same way, in the opening scene on Clara's rooftop, they're mocking the actual explanation of where, where presents come from, which would tend to undermine belief in the mm. real world, which is what he's supposedly trying to help get her back to. I wonder if it's supposed to be the dream crabs fighting back. That inconsistency is yeah. maybe yeah. some you, of that. Yeah, you, you, that occurred to me. It also, yeah. I think, though, just Stephen Moffat just loves going where the dialogue leads him, and yeah, and, and he, he likes. He definitely was playing with the clever dialogues with the sarcastic elves in this one. So, oh yeah, I, well, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Santa refers. The first thing we hear is Santa refers to one of them as an elf, and then we hear that's racist. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it is not racist. You're an elf. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, well, then late, later on, they call Clara racist because that's elfist. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> of course, the best line in all of it is when. One of the one of the apparent scientists, a woman named Shona, has been grilling Santa Claus, and the doctor says, "You missed the best question. How does he get all the presents in the sleigh?" And Santa says, yes. "It's bigger on the inside." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor was was uh, was sh um, chagrined several times by Santa in this. He got he, he, this pattern. Like at one point when Santa was giving the scientific explanation, he's like, nope, that's my job. That's You can't take Santa that. Santa doesn't do that, yeah. <laughs> at, at which point Santa says, oh, that's right. He'll tell you it's all dreamy-weamy. <laughs> yeah, it's, and he does it in the Scottish <laughs> accent. It's dreamy-weamy. <laughs> that was really good. Well, and right before it, the... There is, there is an interesting parallelism between uh, the Doctor and Santa Claus as rival archetypal figures of this kind of magic man. Mm -hmm. And and they play with that, um, yeah. the, with Santa as an alternative, as kind of an alternative Doctor. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that would be interesting to do. What if Santa was a Time Lord mm -hmm. um, sort of thing? That would be an interesting story mm -hmm. that they could do sometime. I should kind of uh, there hasn't been a story like that, but I'm, I know there's yeah. probably there's been fan stories like that, but like something produced by Big Finish or <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of interesting. Well, and right, but so another great line is right before the open. You know, we had the teaser where you know Clara's on the rooftop with Santa, and she says, "I grew out of believing in fairy tales," and he says. Did you really? And then the TARDIS shows up, which I think is a nice little, again, playing with that uh, archetype of the doctor as a magic man in a box. Um, and uh, another one of those clues, by the way, that I was talking about where they're kind of hinting at what's really going on. When Clara first goes inside the TARDIS after the, after the opening sequence, and she says, I'm really back. This is real, right? The doctor mm -hmm. doesn't actually answer her. No, mm -hmm. because it's not really real, you know, and that's the, you know, kind of the, 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 not really a clue, but a hint. We should mention where the doctor and Clara are in their relationship at this point, because mm. the last we saw them was at the end of the two-parter Dark Water and Death in Heaven. And at the end of that, Danny Pink had been given a chance to come back from the dead. But instead of coming back himself, he sent back the, uh, Pakistani or Afghani child that he killed. And so he gave up his own chance to come back from the dead. And Clara lied to the doctor and indicated Danny was back. 
in order to free him because he had he had learned where Gallifrey was and so he from Missy that it was in the same location it had been. And so by telling him that that Danny was back, the doctor would not feel obligated to stay with Clara, he could go to his home on Gallifrey. So he went to his home on Gallifrey and discovered it wasn't there, but he didn't want to crush Clara. And so he came back and told her he did find it. And so they lied to each other in order to have a, uh, in order to help the other person, each mm-hmm. lied to help the other. So it's sort of a gift of the Magi kind of thing where they, they're both trying to help each other and end up <laughs> hurting themselves. And so right. in, in this episode, which was meant to be Clara's exit from the series, um, she, uh, they, they reveal the truth to each other that right. Danny did not come back and the doctor did not find Gallifrey, which is the motivation for them to start traveling again at the end of the episode. But originally that wasn't going to happen. Originally this was Clara, the first of Clara's finales on the series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, presumably she would have, we would have had the, uh, this is just a guess, but they rewrote the ending at the very last minute. So they presumably didn't change it a lot. Um, presumably she would have ended up 62 years later in the year 2070. And she would have ended as an old woman, but having had a satisfied life. Mm-hmm. And the new companion was going to be Shona. The uh, mm. the scientist lady, young scientist lady who's blonde, who we right. later learn works in a shop. But you'll notice how at the in the end sequence, when they're flying on Santa's sleigh to get back to their homes, it's Shona that suggests let's all swap phone numbers so we can contact each other after we wake up. And she doesn't end up managing to swap phone numbers with anyone. They keep disappearing. My guess is that's how she would have been pulled in. In the original script, she would have managed to swap phone numbers with someone and then texted them once she woke up, and that's how she would have become the new companion. So if the actress who played Shona looks familiar, you may have Mm -hmm. seen her, remember, from Andor, where she played Vel. Or she was also in Game of Thrones, where they made a little Game of Thrones reference at the end. She has her Christmas Day checklist. And one of them mm. was Thrones Marathon. So there's oh, yeah. a little Game of Thrones Marathon uh, reference there. So, uh, yeah, she was if, going, yeah, if, like you if, said, she was going to be the new companion. If you're going to bring on Game of Thrones actors, I would, I much prefer the way they did it this time than the way they did it with a shoulder. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what we mentioned, go back to like the, the thing with Danny and not knowing Danny was dead. And the doctor really steps in it when he's, trying to distract Clara from the sleepers, the the people with the facehuggers, and, you know, says, Danny, right now he's flirting with your neighbor. You know, think about that. Texting and, women of low morals. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and she slaps him for, for talking about them that way, which shocks him. Um, and that's where we get the reveal. Yeah, because he doesn't know that Danny is dead. Right, right. Which he would, yeah, presumably, although not, not, yeah, definitely. He wouldn't have said such things about Danny if he were dead. Yeah. But uh, it, it's very effective because at the moment, so the the shtick is with the dream crabs that they are blind, but they can sense 
telepathically when you're looking at them or thinking about them. And so since the doctor and Clara are in this base surrounded or in a room with with these people with dream crabs on their faces who start moving menacingly towards them as they're thinking about them, the doctor figures out they need to stop thinking about them. And he's trying he he tries to distract Clara with math problems, but she's so good at math. She's like a savant. <laughs> um, he just every problem she names, she instantly knows the answer, and it's not distracting her enough. And so he goes to Danny Pink, and that effectively distracts her. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think. It, it was like the third Doctor with Joe Grant in Claws of Axos. He tried, he did the same thing, tried to get her to uh, be distracted by doing math problems. You know, Moffat has this ha- this ability to create monsters that are scary because of some banal normal thing that they twist whether mm-hmm. it's the the weeping angels if blinking we all blink you can't help blinking well and the sleepers if you tell someone not to think about something don't think about pink elephants right now mm-hmm. everyone imagines one right you can't help but thinking about the thing and it's scary that your life depends on not doing this thing that is completely automatic uh, and I, 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 he's got a real knack for creating that sort of monster. Uh, oh, it's creepy. Um, also, this episode heavily draws on the movie Alien because the, the yeah. dream, the dream crabs look very much like the face huggers from Alien, and they drop from the ceiling and things like that. Yeah. Um, and and they hang a lantern on that pretty early. They have this one male scientist who who says, you know, this is those things kind of favor face huggers. Mm-hmm. And the doctor is like, what? And he says, you know, from the from the movie Alien, the horror movie Alien. And the doctor says, there's a horror movie called Alien. That's really offensive. No wonder everyone keeps invading you. <laughs> that was that was really good. <laughs> the, the doctor doesn't know about the movie Alien. It just it's perfect. Um, by the way, that actor uh, who plays Albert, that was the oh. character's name, is yep. David Troughton, who is the son of Patrick Troughton. Michael, uh, Michael, Michael Troughton. Oh, Michael. His brother's David, who has also been in, in uh, Midnight. Doctor. Yeah. But uh, uh, so Michael is also a uh, son of second Doctor Patrick Troughton. So that was kind of fun. Um, yeah. When those face huggers fall, you know, that's another one of those clues. Is they're coming from the ceiling. They're all around. They're trying to shoot at him. And then we just smash cut like it's right there, right about to land on Clara's face or the doctor's face. And we smash cut to boom, the wall explodes and Santa's there on a rearing Rudolph coming to save the day. And that's, you know, we presume at first, although it's like Inception, we presume that's where they've got the facehuggers. But later on, we find out this is long after the Mm facehuggers showed up. Yeah, they do a few things early that if you watch carefully, it's clear what they're setting us up for, but they go by so quickly, it seems very natural. One of the first is when the Doctor and Clara show up at the Arctic base, and we're so used to seeing the Doctor and companions show up at a place of danger, we don't really question it. And Moffat is relying on that here because there is no explanation for why they show up here. Right. They just, they just, the TARDIS just beams up to this Arctic base and 
Clara and the doctor burst in, and there's no explanation for that. And then similarly, at this scene, we see the face huggers falling towards their faces. Smash cut, Santa shows up, rescues everybody, puts the sleepers back to sleep. And and if you're paying attention, it's like, hey, those face huggers fell on them earlier. Mm -hmm. This is (laughs) all going to be a dream. Right, right. Yeah, that does that. Yeah, he does that with so well. Like he relies on our expectations and the cliches to really mislead us through this story. And I, I, it's it's kind of fun to have that. Like, oh, right, I need to be more aware. I need to be more skeptical when I'm watching these things and stop relying on the on the cliches and my expectations. Um, yeah, throughout it, we get the what's this base for? It's a long story. Why did we come here? It's a long story. Like yep. there's. There's no explanation for what all this is here for, um, which, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and every, every time they say that it's a long story, that's kind of the clue that this is all, you know, again, dream. It's all being made up. And mm-hmm. so there is an explanation for any of that. And of course, and then you get the uh, the books where they have the four books that are supposed to be identical, and they read, the, you know, the first word on a particular page. It's different. It, it's yeah. different. Except for yes. the last time where it's very, 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 very dead. dead. <laughs> yeah, which, that was which, which was a very nice subversion because yeah. you're, you're thinking they're all it, very, very, very. You're thinking all four are going to be the same now, proving this is real. Yeah. Dead. Dead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, and then within it, you know, the, so the the doctor sends Clara back to grab the I don't know the the, the dream crab or whatever while he's talking to everyone else in the control room. And oh, that's and when it escapes. There, yeah, there, well, it's already escaped. Um, it 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 when they left it alone in a glass cylinder, you know, where they contained it, it came to life again and vibrated enough that it caused the cylinder to fall off a gurney and smash. So it had already gotten away. But the doctor says to Clara, "Will you go get the dead one for me?" And and I forget ex- exactly what she says. It's something like, "Oh, shall I?" And get a he, cup of tea yeah, too, and and, <laughs> and, yeah. and and a punch in the face. And, <laughs> yeah. and she says, "Yes, that was going to be my next suggestion." But she, she she so it's nice to see them relating to each other and knowing each other. The doctor realizes he's just even though. I wouldn't have taken offense at it. You know, can you go yeah. get me this thing? Um, she does. And he knows her well enough that that her, you know, shall I get you a cup of tea too is sarcasm mm-hmm. and it, for I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's definitely going back to like Joe Grant and the companions before her where they'd be like, oh, doc, or, you know, oh, go get us some tea. Be a good girl. You know, the first doctor especially was bad for that. Oh, go oh, get yeah. us some tea. Be a good girl. <laughs> yeah third doctor does that quite a bit too with uh um with, not joe oh, but um, uh, liz well no with no he does it with joe more than liz that's mm-hmm. right yeah that's right um so yeah <laughs> it's really funny um so clara gets ends up in her dream state like she gets it like in within the dream state she ends up in another dream it's christmas morning she's with danny yeah. the and, whole thing and, like that and and she doesn't know at this point that the arctic base is a dream so right. as far as from her experience, she's gone with the doctor to an Arctic base. She's been attacked by a face crab and she suddenly wakes up in her in her bed and it's Christmas Day and Danny Pink comes in dressed like Santa Claus. 
And this was a big secret because, mm. you know, Danny Pink had left the series. And so he was not expected to show up in the Christmas special. And they kept the, I forget the actor's name, but they kept the actor's name out of the Radio Times mm. um, so that his appearance would be a surprise. And we get this significantly long sequence of of Clara's Christmas Day dream with Danny Pink. And mm. she is, you know, she wakes up in bed. He tells her to come downstairs. He He's giving her exactly the things that she wants most. And it's a it's a great fantasy for her, and she's reunited with Danny. Mm -hmm. And then when she gets in the corridor, there is a blackboard behind her with her name and an exclamation point on it. And she calls to Danny, who's already on his way downstairs, and says, whose blackboard is this? And he doesn't know what she's talking about, and so she takes an eraser. She sees it's got Clara written on it. And um, she wipes her name off, and as she wipes her name off, a new word simultaneously appears. So it's just swish, and there's a new word there. It says dreaming, and she doesn't know what this means, and so she erases that. Swish, dying, mm. and then she keeps swishing it, and it's you are dying, Clara. And um, and so this is the doctor trying to communicate with her. We also hear his voice a little bit mm -hmm. telling her that she's dying. And, um, and then they change the scene. And this is all very low tech. I love this. Yeah. They, to where now it's not just the freestanding blackboard that was behind her in the hallway. The walls of the hallway are covered with massive blackboards that have the word mm -hmm. dying written all over them. And she and it's very dramatic, it's very creepy, it's very it's very low tech and it's very effective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she hears the doctor's voice telling her that she's dying, but then like Danny calls to her and she chooses, we can by her just her the shift in her attitude she chooses to focus on Danny right. and having Danny back and all of the blackboards vanish. And mm -hmm. so she's chosen this dream after having been told that she's dying. And the, the idea, you know, is the dream crabs, at least they start, or at least one of their strategies is to put you in a perfect dream so you want to stay asleep. And and Danny is the right bait for that. Mm -hmm. Danny yep. is it, it. That is exactly the thing that will keep Clara asleep. I know yeah. when my wife died, I had dreams about her constantly, and I looked forward to them. And I would want to say stay asleep, and I would wake up and go back to sleep, trying to incubate the dream, which mm -hmm. never really worked much. But, you know, if you've lost someone and dreams are your only connection with that person, you want those dreams. And so this is a very believable motive for for Clara, for the dream crabs to use. And the doctor then himself puts on a dream crab in order to follow her in. And he shows up at her door, says, hi there. And, and then... 
explains to her what's happening and that she's dying. And she says, well, what's, what's up with you? And he says, well, I'm dying too. And they start talking about Danny and Danny's role as bait. They don't use that word, but they're talking about that. And Danny, at first, talks as if he's on the side of the dream crabs and wanting to keep her asleep. But then he pivots. The doctor mentions how Danny died saving the world, and he said, no, I died saving Clara. The rest of the world just got lucky. And that realization on Dream Danny's part sort of reinitializes the Danny persona in Clary, in Clara's mind. So he's not just a fantasy dream figure. He's now acting like the real Danny. And the real Danny would want her to wake up and get out of here. And he starts, he starts advocating for that goal. I was wondering, though... Mm-hmm. And this is just entirely a wonder on my part. If it might have also implied that the real Danny in the afterlife, wherever he is, because we know that he still exists in an afterlife, as we saw in Dark uh, Death in Heaven, is kind of reached through. Like this Danny suddenly went from being mm-hmm. the dream Danny to maybe the real Danny is reaching through it to her. Mm-hmm. I just, I kind of felt like. At this you, you, point, that might have been what happened. You can read it that way if you want. It's, I don't think yeah. they do anything to establish yeah. that in the story, but yeah. one yeah, could I, read it that way. Yeah, I, I think that I, he'd say that's probably overthinking it a little bit. I think it's Clara's understanding of who Danny was kind of comes through more than it was Danny himself, that she knew that he would you know, be a good soldier to the end and recognize that his duty to Clara necessitate necessitates the dream danny pushing her out i guess and she she stated she knew this was the dream and she basically said i don't care right i'm staying in this let me have this right he did and he gives the whole speech you can miss me for five minutes a day but otherwise you have to get on with your life um but i and, want my five and, minutes and you got to do it proper I, you have to be sad i want my five minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh, and then there's a discussion of the where we get the title, you know, last Christmas that, you know, Christmas is special because every Christmas, you know, when we're with the, our loved ones, every Christmas could mm-hmm. be the last Christmas. So you have to treasure every opportunity. It's like basically treasure the every opportunity yeah. you have to be with the ones you love. Thank you, Stephen Moffat. I didn't really need the title explained <laughs> and not in such a dark way. Thank you. <laughs> Right. And and by the way, Dom did this to be, did this to before the recording. Do not sing the song. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't want to get the uh, YouTube takedown notice. I don't even know the song, so I'm good. Uh, what's his it's name? It's from Wham. 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 That's right. It was, yeah. uh, George Michael, but it George was Michael. a singer, but Wham was the band. Yeah. yeah. I mean, presumably the title was going to be referred to Clara's last Christmas with the doctor, but that all got thrown out the window. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, so Clara believes and they wake quote unquote, you can see me on the video doing air quotes quotes. because Mm -hmm. they're not really awake. Um, The, cause, and then Santa and the elves show up to tell them that they're dreaming. And by the way, there's a great Mm -hmm. moment in this uh, general part of the episode where the doctor realizes that Clara's in the grips of this dream crab, and his his line is, okay, we kill it. Right. And and this even kind of takes aback one of the scientist ladies, and she's like, well, as a scientist, I don't know that we 
want to automatically kill this thing. And but it's so refreshing to see the doctor just want to kill something. It's I just yeah. love that. <laughs> so they when, they event, they finally realize that they are just regular folk, four regular five regular people, six regular people who have been targeted by these dream crabs. And I'm, mm-hmm. why? Like, I mean, why them? I mean, I get the doctor and maybe even Clara because they are, you know, the doctor's alien. Clara has traveled to the TARDIS. But like, if this is the weirdest little invasion of Earth ever, you know, I, I don't, I don't think the, I, I think they're just, I think it's just random. I don't know that we need an mm-hmm. explanation for why these other people, they're just the ones we're starting with. They were the ones that mm-hmm. were nearest where the dream crabs came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's kind of what I thought too. It was just kind of dumb, dumb chance that these people mm. got picked yeah and one and thing they all know, seem to be in london anyway right yeah. one, one thing that they uh they mention is that they they come to realize that they're in the dream or the doctor explains that they're they know they're in the dream because they feel a little bit of a pressure a little bit of pain just kind of a, you know mild headache at a certain point at their temple and that's where the dream crab is drilling in but then they're they're using anesthesia the dream crabs produce an anesthesia that keep them feeling the full pain right yeah, except that's not really how brain surgery works. <laughs> yeah. Well, this isn't brain surgery. It's sucking the brains out with a straw. Yeah, sucking. but the, <laughs> it, would, it doesn't matter because the, they describe it like an ice cream headache, um, yeah. but just in localized in this one spot on the right side of your of your uh, on your right temple. Um, but your brain does not have pain nerves it doesn't have nociceptors and so you don't need an anesthetic in your well, brain but your um, skin does at that point your yeah. skin I, does. I, I, yeah. yeah okay <laughs> this is the point with which i was going to make next which is that your skin does spoilers have nociceptors and so it is you will feel some pain there but once you're through that you it there's no ongoing pain and so if you open up someone's skin that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be ongoing pain at the site of the skin because the nociceptors have now been pulled apart and there's no ongoing stimulation for them. It's like when you give yourself an injection, you may feel a little bit of a pinch when the needle first goes in, but it doesn't keep hurting once the needle has gone in. So um, Clara realizes at this point that she saw Santa on the roof. So she knows now... Mm-hmm. Well, it can't be just when we showed up at this base that things started. So um, they they kind of start to backtrack. So yeah, did the doctor get this dream crab off planet then? Because he wakes up in this you know alien environment and go runs into the TARDIS. So is it just coincidence that he got the crab off planet? I didn't interpret that as an alien environment. I just I, it looked to me like the vol- volcano set that they had built for the beginning of Dark Water, yeah. where Clara throws the TARDIS keys into the volcano. So I I, I interpreted this as being here on Earth. Oh, okay, and he just happened to be by a volcano at yeah. that point. Some people thought that that meant that they were implying that uh, everything at the, of uh, death in heaven was you know from the point of that where she's throwing the keys everything from that point on was uh dream crab induced that the, that none of that stuff happened but 
I gather, I, I think the official word is no, 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 that, that, well, that's separate. That entire scene at the volcano was a, a, a dream, if you will, that was the doctor induced on Clara in the first place. Yep. Yeah. So Which, that was, that never actually happened. So it couldn't, but no, it was, it was pretty clearly the same set. I mean, the TARDIS was sitting in the same place and the doctor woke yeah. up at the same spot. So. Right. Just, uh, yeah. Interesting that they chose that. Um, so, you know, they've, they've run outside, they're being chased by dozens of dream crab and, you know, covered people, the sleepers, uh, Santa to the rescue. They get to fly away. Is Albert, by the way, dead at this point? Like that, that's in what real they, life? That's what they tell us. He got mm-hmm. too yeah. close to the dream crab thing as it was attacking on and got sucked in, sucked by the dream crabs through a television screen into the control of the dream crabs. And then they, the doctor tells us he's dead now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so he's dead it's in kind the of real the, world. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the one of those, the, the old fable of you die in a dream, you actually died in the real world type deal. Right. Right. I mean, presumably his, his brain is now soup. I've never died mm-hmm. in a dream. I always wake up first. Yep. Well, you, well, I've heard it's probably a myth, but it's, I've heard it said that if you die in your dream, you'll die in real life, which yeah, I'm not sure no, how you'd you know that. You yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. but I did, it just occurs to me. I've never died in a dream. I've been threatened well, you know, in dreams, maybe, but maybe then I wake up. Maybe yeah. everybody who's died in a dream, they haven't lived to tell about it. Oh, <laughs> well, that's right. But how would you know then? <laughs> no, just, just thinking through the mechanics, um, ex- having the hallucination of dying is not going to cause your heart to stop. No, not unless you have a weak heart or something. Yeah. 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 Um, so the doctor we mentioned, you know, at the end. Oh, by the, by the yep. way, I love how they get in a Christmas, even though I don't like a Christmas carol, because it, I think, fundamentally subverts, I mean, without intending to, but it is used to subvert the message of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a fan of the Christmas carol, but I do love how we get Ashley, one of the scientists, as they're all about, they're holding hands, they're about to. To have their first let's all try to wake up experience and she says god blesses everyone yeah um so uh, you know once they they get rescued the doctor you know runs to um tracks the dream crab down to clara 62 years later and then we find out it's it's a dream after all but um there's this interesting thing where he can't re- he doesn't recognize that she's aged she from his point of view She's exactly the same as when he when he saw her before, which kind of goes back to when he we first get the twelfth doctor, where he kind of doesn't recognize her or something yeah. along those lines. He, you know, he the, thinks the, she's un. He doesn't realize that she's actually stunningly attractive and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. Right. He just doesn't see her. Um, although it also kind of reminds me of Strax kept calling her a boy. Um, (laughs) so just to explain for people who haven't seen it, the doctor, after the doctor's face crab falls off, he gets in the TARDIS, rushes to Clara's house and to get the dream crab off of her because she's dawdling in the dream state, which we've seen her doing. She like Mm -hmm. is the last person on Santa's sleigh as they're being dropped off. And she tells Santa she wants to remain and things like that. So the doctor shows up at her house. And and uses an electrical device to shock the dream crab off of her face, at which point she sits up and she's old. And she says it's been 62 years, and so that would, based on when this was released, that would mean this is the year 2076, 
and mm-hmm. she proceeds to tell him about her life. And this is not the first time this has happened with the doctor and Stephen Moffat. You know, this is exactly what happened with Amy mm-hmm. when he met her as a little girl and came back, you know, years later. And so right. this is the same thing now. And, um, and he feels really bad that, you know, he missed all this time with her. And then Santa Claus shows up and says, wakey, wakey. And he wakes up again and has the dream crab fall off his face and comes to her in present time and gets it off of her. So, and it's at that point that they get in the TARDIS together and the episode ends. Yes. And the tangerine on the windowsill to imply that Santa was really there after all. Yeah. We also hear the sleigh bells at that point. Yeah. Any other uh, final notes on this this one, Father Corey? I, I will say this was less confusing after you know watching this being the second time watching it. Uh, I, I remember the first time we watched it; it was pretty confusing <laughs> to me, at least, just because right. of the dream inception, you know, the layers of of dreams and all that. But yeah, yeah. yep, and it uh, was better than I thought too. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy. Um, I, no, not, not really. I was interested watching it this time. I hadn't known originally that uh, Shona was supposed to be the new companion. And so I was watching the character of Shona particularly to see if she had much, you know, how she would have been as a companion. And I, you know, they, they didn't focus on her very much. Um, she was there, she did stuff, she had a personality that was different than other characters' personalities, but this wasn't like a roll-out-the-red-carpet-for-Shona episode. In a way, it was kind of like Clara's introductory episode in Asylum of the Daleks, where she's there, she's a notable character, but she's she's even a quite important character, but she's kind of in the background. Mm. And Shona was kind of in the background in this as well. So personally, I'm glad that they kept Clara for an additional season. I don't know what they would have done with Shona as a companion, but um, but apparently they they felt they had a better thing to do with Clara because not just Peter, not just Stephen, not just Peter Capaldi, but Stephen Moffat lobbied her to stay. Right, and so that's you know signified that they had better plans for for Clara than they would have had for a new companion. And based on what little we saw of Shona in this, I mean, I liked Shona, but um, but I think the relationship is more interesting with Clara at this point than building an entire new one. You could see some vestiges of what they might have been planning, like seeds that they were planting for Shona as companion, like that. Mm-hmm. At that on that list of her Christmas Day activities, it was like forgive Dave, and she yeah. checks mm-hmm. it off. And so there was probably going to be someone in her life named Dave that was going to be important to the character and that sort of thing. Um, so you see that there, but there's no explanation in this. Yeah, the, uh, frankly, go ahead. The one companion that didn't make it that I wish had is way back in the Seventh Doctor's time at the end of Melanie towards the end of Melanie Bush's run. They go to it's in Delta and the Bannermen. They oh, they oh, yeah. they go to the holiday camp and they meet this girl from the nineteen fifties who rides a motorbike named Ray. Mm-hmm. And Ray is such a compelling character. I would have loved Ray to become the companion, which was the plan. 
Mm-hmm. But then we wouldn't have had Ace. And I love right. Ace. So it's like, <laughs> I want forking Doctor Who timelines. I want a timeline with Ray and I want a timeline with Ace. <laughs> you know, frankly, I feel like this would have been a more satisfying end for Clara than what we eventually get. The whole yeah. face the raven, never dying in between two heartbeats thing. Much, much better ending yeah. here than that one. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> they did They did that. All right. I think that'll do it for this time. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Mary F., Timothy B., Alexander V., Amanda F., and Callie P. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So what did you think of Last Christmas? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can watch the Secrets of Doctor Who in video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fifth Doctor story, Enlightenment. Until then, Jimmy Yakin, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Oh, the Black Guardian is going to have his end game in our next episode. Oh, good, mm. good. Turlo and has Father- to make a choice. <laughs> mm. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, wakey, wakey.